0: Drive with Goodman and Fry, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silterhar Mazda. Find them at STHMazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk. Here's Eric and Terry.
1: Welcome back to Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Fry. I'm journalist and author Terry Fry. The usual driver of this show, Eric Goodman, is out today, and sitting in with me is Anilo Piro, who's familiar to MileHighSports.com readers, listeners, and viewers as a ver- versatile writer and now as the site's digital director and ops manager. You can watch us on MileHighSports.com and reach us on the Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at t fry and at media by ap. Time now for the lead.
0: The lead, presented by Sasquatch Casino in Blackhawk.
1: Well, Anil, CBS Sports' Brian DeArdo ranked the five most improved teams in the NFL. The Broncos, despite trading for Russell Wilson, didn't make the list. His top five were, one, the Eagles, two, the Chargers, three, the Jets, four, the Steelers, five, the Bengals. No Broncos on there, despite bringing in Wilson, I, I'm going to jump in and say I think the Chargers are going to be the most improved team in the NFL, mainly because of the addition of Khalil Mack.
2: Yeah, that's a that's a common thought as well. And I think a lot of people are pretty bullish on the Chargers. You have Justin Herbert already. You bring in Khalil Mack. I mean, the team is underachieved for it seems like a decade plus now. So eventually they're going to have to put it together. You'd imagine I don't know. It's kind of bogus. I don't think the Broncos are one of those top five teams. And I get the Jets have made moves. We're talking about another inept franchise. I mean, Pittsburgh, how does Pittsburgh get better inserting a rookie quarterback and bring in a Mitchell Trubisky? Like, you know what I'm saying? I mean, yeah. by default, the Broncos, what has been the narrative the you're last not four a Mitchell years?
1: Trubisky fan,
2: I take it. It's not that I'm not a Mitch Trubisky fan, but you're going to tell me that, uh, you know, bringing in Russell Wilson doesn't paramount that?
1: No question about what's, it.
2: But what's been the narrative the last four years of the Broncos?
1: In my mind, though, the Chargers were weak with uh, Brandon Staley being a past defensive coordinator. You think that they would be strong on defense? Right. That would be the the focus of his approach. Uh, they had problems on the defensive side of the ball. Justin Herbert was terrific. I think that's the team that that's going to overhaul the Chiefs in the division, and uh, and Staley's going to strengthen that side of the ball with Khalil Mack.
2: Yeah, you would imagine and obviously Mac it's been a while but he's very familiar with this division. You know, he's used to playing in Denver, he's used to playing, you know, in well not he didn't play in Vegas, but you know, he's very familiar with the opponent there as well. So I don't know, I think the Chargers are going to be an interesting team. That division as a whole for the uh for the Broncos is a whirlwind, huh?
1: Well, in all the discussion about it, 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 it comes back to me of how do the Broncos do within the division is kind of foundation laying uh this the uh six games in the division and it's, that's going to be the foundation, I think. And so uh, we, we've talked about it. Eric thinks they'll be like 3-3 three and three in the division. I think they have to be better than that if they're going to be a playoff contender.
2: Yeah, no, I, I tend to agree as well. I mean, there's there's levels to it, but I don't know. I mean, there's plenty of moves made in the offseason that you hope these teams would have addressed what they were looking for. And I mean, the Chargers are certainly one of those teams.
1: Okay, Russell Wilson didn't make the list. I don't know if that's because of backlash, uh, because of kind, of kind of rebelling against the typical... A lot of times, and I'm I'm not telling tales out of school here. Writers try to throw things out with a surprising element in it to get people talking about it. Oh which yes, which is what we are doing here. Yes. talking about how can you not have the Broncos among the most improved teams in football? They struck the chord after after adding Russell Wilson. Have you seen anything? You know, you you don't go back as far as I do in terms of like quarterback furors. You know, well even Tim Tebow, Manning, Cutler, right. all all of that. Have you seen anything like the Russell Wilson? P- if no,
2: I. I mean, I think it's also kind of like you've got a team that in a fan base that's just been chomping at the bit to kind of get back to relevancy and I mean you're talking about one of the first class organizations in the NFL at least in recent memory as well with the Broncos a competitive franchise obviously we all know the 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 statistic more Super Bowl appearances than losing seasons under Mr. Bolin and I I think you know you got a high quality quarterback here in Russell Wilson And, and the one thing that I brought up too Terry is you know I got hired to my high sports uh when I was a senior in high school and my my interview meeting was the Wednesday before Super Bowl 50. Uh-huh. so I'm very excited now because I've essentially never covered Denver sports media never worked in Denver sports media when the Broncos are relevant I was just getting started so I'm excited to just see with the Broncos being you know front and center once again what that does for the media market what it does for Denver sports as a whole
1: the thing about Wilson is do you think that he is uh he's proven himself as a leader he's already, absolutely he's already got his grips on this team as the guy out front as the public image uh and it's almost sometimes as if we're looking for ways to, to uh, denigrate that a little bit. Right. It's almost like he's too good to be true. I'm telling you, he's not too good to be true. No, I he's agree.
2: I, I think so as well. I mean, obviously, he's a little bit older than he was when he won the Super Bowl. But at the end of the day, I mean, outside of Aaron Rodgers, this is the best option out there to win you a Super Bowl or at least get you back in that conversation. I don't understand how any Bronco fan could be upset or discouraged with this. I mean, you've got to be feeling pretty optimistic, at least as optimistic as you felt since you won the Super Bowl. Now that you got Russ,
1: my biggest concern with Russell Wilson is whether they're going to be able to protect him. He's obviously able to improvise, still. right? He's obviously able to overcome the lack of formidable blocking necessarily up front, uh, whether it's, but with, with uh, Garrett Bowles or anybody mm-hmm. else. And, uh, so we'll see if he, if he can hold up physically among behind operating behind one of the more suspect lines in the NFL.
2: Yeah, but I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's a suspect line right now, but it, it, he was dealing with some pretty garbage lines out there in Seattle as well. Yeah, that's true. You would think that they're going to improve upon that.
1: We'll see if Billy Turner is well enough to play, too.
2: <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll definitely see how that one shakes out.
1: So uh, how do you see the Broncos? I, I have them sketched in at 8-9. and nine. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's what Eric said.
2: Wow, you don't think they're a double-digit win team with Russell Wilson?
1: I think a lot, it all depends on what happens within the division, and no, I don't think they're a double digit, So that 8-9 and
2: nine prediction is reflective of you thinking there's at just, least two of the other teams holes. are better there's in the still division.
1: too many holes. Yeah, the Chargers, the Chargers I, and the Chiefs are better within the division.
2: I agree, but here's the thing. I, I think the, Chief, the Chiefs are the one team that still scares me, and I'm also a little bit of, you know, I believe it when I see it type of guy. Are the Chargers a good team? Are the Raiders a good team? Absolutely. But we're talking about two franchises, Terry, that have shot themselves in the foot time and time again, year after year. Like, again, I'm not trying to say that's not going to mean they're going to be better this year or whatnot, yeah. but I look at the Broncos as a team bringing in a fresh injection of life in Hackett and Wilson. I just And maybe it's a little bit of the hometown bias in hear me speaking, but look, man, in, in a high-pressure game, if it comes down to a Week 17, and I, I don't know what their exact matchup is, but a late game later in the year, Broncos-Raiders, Broncos-Chargers, I'm back in the Broncos.
1: Herbert, Mahomes, Carr. More than the quarterback. Carr, are you, you going to raise your eyebrows about Carr?
2: No, I think Carr's a very solid quarterback. He's and the Wilson worst quarterback in the division. Four
1: quarterbacks in the division. So I think that's where the Broncos will, will we'll see if Wilson can be yeah. raised even, even maybe above Herbert and Mahomes. Yeah, that's, that's what it's going to take for this team to, to be a contender.
2: I think they have all the, the elements for sure. I think it's a matter of putting them together. Because, I mean, what's the narrative been in Broncos country for the last four or five years? You know, they're quarterback away. That's what people love to say. You know, they've had this defense. I mean, the receiving core is what it is. They got a good running back at tandem and Williams and uh, Gordon as well.
1: They got to give Williams the bulk of the carries. I can't
2: believe that's even a discussion. I can't. I, I, why are you running Melvin Gordon at all on first and second down?
1: They Just, they pretty much split it last season. Why? I don't, I don't understand the mentality of not of not getting Williams more carries.
2: Run Javante Williams. Who was I think it was Danny Williams who said that he's like a coming out of the draft. He thought it was like an Alvin Kamara type comp. (laughs) I agree with that. I I mean, like it's clear that Javante Williams has got to be your number one guy, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, and do you think Wilson has tarnished it at all by his 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 world worldwide (laughs) gallivanting the last few weeks?
2: No, I don't. I think that's honestly just who he is, and it's one thing because I don't know. He's flashy, but in, like, a reserved way, I guess you could say.
1: Well, it was an NFL trip, too, for the Jacksonville game.
2: Yeah. No, I'm fine with Russell Wilson, man. I think he's a leader. I think he's a good guy, good cl- uh, locker... I almost said clubhouse guy. Good locker room guy.
1: Here's the big question. When, when you were covering the Rockies, mm-hmm. did you ever think about what it would look like when he, if he was turning double plays with, with uh, <laughs> Trevor Story?
2: You know, I never... Envision that, but it always, you know, would creep into the back of your mind of like, hey, you know, maybe Russell Wilson could have been that guy.
1: He could have been, he, but there, but for the plague of the uh, the horrible pitch, the curveball, yeah, it's ruined mm. a lot of careers.
2: Yes, it has.
1: But I remember him saying it, it when he was being introduced here, how the Rockies even treated him great when they drafted him. Yeah. So they they made a point of contacting him, making him sound mm-hmm. wanted. And he, he had only good things to say about the Rockies. Maybe that's part of the act. I don't know.
2: I don't I, I don't think it is necessarily because, I mean, everything that I've heard from players, even employees that work there, is the Rockies are a great organization to work for as long as you don't care about winning. They're a great. They treat their players well. They treat their coaches well. Beautiful he, facilities. Best spring training facility in all of baseball.
1: He had a great run as uh, the Asheville Tourist second baseman, too.
2: Yeah. It's a harder sport to make it in baseball these days, especially. All the levels. NFL, to you go from college right to the NFL if you got the, yeah. you got the nuts.
1: Well, coming up after the break, we speak to the erudite writer, Ryan Bolding of NHL.com, Colorado Hockey Now, and uh, Mile High Sports Radio's hockey show. We'll talk to him about the abs maneuvering. That's next on the Afternoon Drive. Style, you know
0: click, click, pull. Afternoon drive with Goodman and Fry, presented by Silterhar Mazda. A no pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silterhar Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wild Card Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Terry. You know what I say in Elo? What? Jump! Jump,
1: baby! Jump. Let's go! Welcome to Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Fry. I'm journalist and author Terry Fry, the usual driver of the show. Eric Goodman is out today and sitting in with me is Anilo Piro. He's uh, with Mile High Sports now as the site's digital director and ops manager. I've known him for several years, having taught him at MSU Denver. Did I teach you good?
2: Yes, I learned a lot of stories and how to be a better journalist. How could I not?
1: learned well, from the best only. Oh, thank you. It was fun. Did you deserve the A.A. gave you?
2: That's a question for another day. I had I had the field work going.
1: Yes, you did. I, I was giving you credit for the terrific work you were doing for Mile High Sports at the time, mostly covering the Rockies.
2: Yep, I'd leave your class and then go to the Rockies clubhouse. That's what I'd do. Because we, we got out at, what, 12.15? Well, maybe i go get lunch and then i go talk to Buddy Black.
1: I think one of the things I told you during my uh, teaching was that I love baseball, but I would never want to cover it full-time.
2: I have learned that after doing it for
1: four years. God bless Thomas Harding. God bless Patrick Saunders. The problem with covering baseball is the time commitment. Oh, it's... uh, You have to to be willing to have virtually nothing else in your life.
2: Yes. And if you want to get married, you have to have a spouse that's very comfortable (laughs) with you not being around.
1: (laughs) You can watch us on the MileHighSports.com, on MileHighSports.com, and reach us on the Rocky Mountain Forest Products twitter feed at t fry and at media by ap now we've got uh, on the phone we're going to speak with ryan bolding the erudite writer for nhl.com and colorado hockey now and he's also the host of the hockey show here saturdays on my live sports brian are you there
3: i'm here from the land of iowa
1: where in iowa
3: uh, just past Des Moines,
2: ah. you know,
3: so home of the Iowa Wild of the AHL, people that, hockey specific.
2: You're making your way towards uh, Dyersville, where the Field of Dreams is located.
3: Yeah, there you exactly. Go. That's, that's, I'll that's go stuff. through Dubuque, home of the Fighting Saints in the USHL.
1: There you go. That stuff on the right is called corn.
3: <laughs> I, I was wondering what that was. There's been a lot of it.
1: So what did you think of the Avalanche Acquiring Gorgiev? You know, I
3: find it very interesting i don't think it's a surprise that the team couldn't really afford to keep darcy kemper around it's kind of like a philip grubauer situation where he's probably going to get like a six by six thereabouts contract for his work yeah the, um, the issue with stopping the, a good team the,
1: yeah. is, the issue last year was was term of that contract from seattle it wasn't the actual money
3: right i think uh you know it's a scary proposition to give a goalie a lot of money over term because you don't really know what you're going to get and not to knock Kemper, but he had, you know, one of the worst safe percentages of a winning Stanley cup team. Um, so it's, it's kind of on the one hand, maybe a blessing to see what he can do elsewhere. He did well on a bad coyote team, but on the other hand, now the avalanche are kind of uh, in a, in an unknown territory with the two goalies they have.
1: Well, Gorgiev is an RFA. He his cap hit was two point four million dollars last season. What do you think it'll take for the Avalanche to get him? Get him signed?
3: You know, I don't think they would have traded for him if they didn't have some sort of arrangement ready to go. Wink, wink. Uh, I would hope it's not too north of three million, three point two five million. I know Kemper's around two on a on a nice deal. And Kemper is apparently going to be the backup. Franzos, really Franzos. coming. Yeah, Frantzov's. So, yeah, Francois yes. Each over Franzos. the next two years. Yeah, and he's going to be the the backup, which I, like I said, I didn't really see coming. So uh, I'm kind of surprised by the move in that regard. I thought maybe uh, Pavel Francois would kind of take the reins.
1: Is have shown enough to merit penciling him in or pinning him in as the number one? I mean, he's – his. Uh, his goals against average is just just very pedestrian of nine oh nine over the course of his career, and he didn't. Now we've talked about this. Shisterkin turns is a terrific, terrific goaltender. Not being able to beat him out as Henrik Lundqvist backup, or even now, uh, not being able to beat him out after Shisterkin took over the number one job, is not a real knock against him. But he hasn't really stepped up to seize the spotlight either. That's
3: exactly it. I think you know there was a. Or you wondered if it was going to be Georg- Georgiev or, or Shusterkin. And Shusterkin obviously emerged as the front runner and had a phenomenal year. You know, I think very deserving of the Bezza. And this was a good Rangers team, a team that lost in six games to the Tampa Bay Lightning in the Eastern Conference final. But I just don't know that you've seen enough from him to really have somebody say, he's your starting goaltender. You're good to go. You know, I know that's the professional scout's job for the Avalanche. Uh, Garth Joy is one of those people in the organization I believe does a great job. So I don't want to I don't want to knock it until I see it. But uh, it is you know not the same as it was for the ABS in that the last couple of years. Do you think they've reached the
1: conclusion? Do you think they've reached the conclusion that they can win with with just decent goaltending? And it, it, and that's kind of the underlining assumption behind the moves.
3: I think so. You've seen some ebbs and flows in NHL goaltending and the amount of money that teams are really willing to throw at goaltenders over the years. You know, you got guys like Carey Price who are legacy known quantities, and then you you have teams like the Avalanche where you're like, let's see what we can do with maybe a a step down from a Grubauer Kemper. Let's see what we can do with two steps down from that. You know, like, could this team have won with Calvin Pickard backstopping them? (laughs) I don't know. Right? But that's kind of where Chris we're at Osgood is this, this territory here. Yeah, well we know Chris Osgood is a known quantity, right? But yeah, it's this, this idea that if I guess if the if the team is playing as well as they did all season last year, again this next year, they'll probably be fun.
1: Nathan McKinn's extension uh, is on the table. I mean he's making six point one million dollars a year, I believe. And so his extension is on the table, but that's not gonna be that big a deal. But he's got to get north of $10 million to, to go over. I mean, that's just the way it is. He's got to get north of $10 million to go over and be the highest-paid Avalanche player. And yeah,
3: you've got to think he makes more than Landeskog, right, and more than McCarr just based on his years in the league and taking such a team-friendly deal that he did. I expect McKinnon to get paid. I know he's kind of gone the Sydney Crosby route and said, I'm willing to take... Uh, Fewer dollars in order to have you know competitors around me, but he did it. But he did it for six team. years. Exactly. That's the thing. There is some money owed his way. I think, and you got to reward that. You know, you can't really just go hardball after winning the Stanley Cup and what he's done for the team, and say, you know, we know you took a team-friendly deal, but could you could you stay where you're at? Like they owe him some money.
1: Well, of course, uh, Eric Johnson has one year left on his contract. Six million, I remember when he signed that deal, we were just talking about how fanciful how fanciful it was that he was committed that long, but he's got one more year now, so if if he retires after next season, that's six million dollars they can use toward the uh, McKinnon obligation.
3: yeah, that opens up the books, and I think you know you're looking at free agency here the The team that wins the Stanley Cup usually has tough decisions to make about who stays for the year after and the push again. And here the abs are. They've got some tough decisions to make when it comes to you know roster cosmetic surgery here.
1: Okay, which ones are they going to be able to resign, and who's going to walk?
3: I think Nazem Kadri is gone. I've been saying it for a while. The man had an outstanding season, and just like Kemper, I'm sure he would have loved to stick around here, but I don't know how he doesn't get paid more than he deserves. and He deserves a lot of money, but I think somebody's going to give him more than he deserves. It's an interesting idea, you know. Maybe Seattle goes out and gets Kadri, and he's a piece that they could use. I can see that happening. So I think, you know, priorities for the Avalanche are And the man, was like the the steam engine of the the team down the stretch. Are you convinced though?
1: Are you convinced though? He's for real after having so many struggles.
3: I I don't know what to think. I really do not know what to think about him because he's a guy that I thought. He went, like 100, he went like a hundred
1: He went like a hundred games without scoring a goal.
3: Yeah, but then what did he do in the playoffs when it mattered? It was unbelievable. And and you watch him play, it's like he's a tenacious four checker and he's a guy that is really hard to, to knock off the puck when he has it. So there's a the benefit. Do I think, you know, you or I could score thirteen goals playing alongside Nathan McKinnon? Maybe. No. But I mean it <laughs> helps. It helps, right, that he's up there with them. I think that's a key piece to the puzzle there. Uh, you know, as much as Andre Burakowski can be uh, kind of hot or cold, um, I think keeping him around is important. The big one for me is Josh Manson. I think, you know, you can let Jack Johnson go. You can let Kadri walk for more money. Um, you know, Eric Johnson's future's up in the air. Bo Byram really came into his own. Josh Manson was sort of that Rob Blake piece that really helped the avalanche, and he's the guy I would I would focus a lot of time and energy on trying to lock down
1: but we're hearing do you, or do you believe the talk that manson wants to go back to anaheim
3: i don't know why he would i mean i get the the appeal of southern california right but do you think that organization i mean he just came out and won won a stanley cup unless they make him captain back there or something i don't know what the appeal is for the next couple of years
1: I'm going to go out on a limb. I think Cadre is going to be back. I think they've. Made, I. I don't have no real sound basis to base that on, but I. I it's almost the gut feeling of they. He talked to the ownership. He talked to Josh. He talked to Stan, and they at least. They at least went through the motions of saying, "Let's try to make this workable and have you come back." And he even said that on Toronto radio. I, I somehow think they're going to be able to work it out with Kadri, but that would mean, in my mind, that Burakovsky is gone.
3: Absolutely, and, and maybe Nishushkin, depending on, you know, where the, the chips fall. I, I did find it uh, interesting also that he spoke with the Cronkies, and they reiterated their commitment to trying to bring him back. That's not something I feel like you usually hear when it comes to personnel decisions. That, you know, the player spoke with ownership and the you know, de facto team president.
1: How close is this team to being a dynasty? Can they win more than one, or are all these changes, all this the this state of flux make it will make it harder to do?
3: I think if Cadre comes back, this team is legitimately looking at another run. Uh, depending on where the goaltending takes us, that's the real question. You know, do can Pavel Franco's win maybe twenty games out of thirty starts this season? You'd like to hope so, but I I don't know. And then Georgiev, like we've talked about, is kind of a, an unknown. So you think with all the pieces in play, if Avalanche can run teams out of the building like they've done, you know, scoring seven goals, they can probably weather giving up five a lot of nights and still win. So, you know, I think Kadri is the real key piece there if this team has a chance of going back-to-back.
1: I think Codre's situation comes down to the point whether, whether he is looking at this as, hey, I can be a number two, the best number two center, the best second-line center in the National Hockey League, make really, really good money and win? Or is he going to go to, oh, Seattle, be the the top-line center, or somewhere else and be the top-line center, have all that pressure, all that focus on him, but the money will be great. So it's like weighing all those things as either-ors.
3: And I don't know if the the pressure matters as much as, you know, anything else, but the, the money side of it, that's the real question, right? Do you want to make a lot of money? more money than you were making do you want a, that payday that you earned in the last year of your deal just having a phenomenal season prior to the injury and then still coming back and playing an important role or do you want to stick together and, and try to to build some sort of legacy here like I know it's important that he's the first Muslim to have his name on the Stanley Cup and and all of the hard work he's put in to get to that point and now do you rest on your laurels and take the payday or not that's the real question I don't know that I know him uh, and his personality well enough to really say which way I project him to go.
1: So the uh, off-season lasts about eight hours, I think. The, the The development camp is coming up next week. Are you doing the hockey show on Mile High Sports Radio tomorrow? And if so, what are you going to do?
3: We are off for the summer. It is off-season for the hockey show. I think there's a little bit of a Stanley Cup run burnout uh, on both sides of the microphone. so. We're going to go on hiatus. There's not a whole lot to talk about from development camp necessarily. You know, they only only had two picks and two selections this year. So you're looking at kind of how some players developed. And while the Eagles had a great season, I don't know that people want to know my thoughts on Eustace and Noonan right now at age
1: 22. Is he going to be their future goalie?
3: I'm convinced he is. I think you sign New York to, uh, let's say, a four-year deal maybe, uh, that puts him at 30. Pavel Francoz will be gone by then. That gives you room to groom a noon in, bring him in, get his feet wet. But I, you know, the, the organization was high on him. The scouting staff was high on him. I think the expectation is this could be the first homegrown goalie in the organization.
1: Well, go to Dyersville, go on the diamond. I have actually done that. It's really, really enjoyable experience. And uh, maybe you could write the equivalent of the hockey book, a hockey novel. There hasn't been a good hockey novel since the last season by Roy McGregor.
3: The Great American Hockey Novel. I'm more of a fiction guy when it comes to that, so I might just have to make something up.
1: (laughs) That's that's what a novel is.
3: Yeah. I mean, it may not be the next Great American Hockey Novel, but it could be, uh, you know, a hockey novel.
1: Well, we appreciate your time as you're uh, driving across the Great Midwest and, and have a good trip.
3: Thanks for having me on, Terry. Thanks, Anilo.
1: Thanks for having me. Coming up after the break, speaking of the Nuggets appearance in the Las Vegas Summer League, you're you're all excited about it. I know Anilo. Oh, I'm
2: I'm I will say I I actually covered a Summer
1: League one time. It's one of the fondest memories
2: I have. I'm not going to lie, but I did some uh, things in Vegas that you shouldn't be doing if you're under 21. Okay. So
1: that's why it was fun. (laughs) I just have two words to say about the Las Vegas Summer League. Nicholas Veely. does the name ring a bell? That's coming up next on the afternoon drive. Place
0: get a Afternoon drive with Goodman and Fry. Presented by Silter Harmazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Harmazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Terry. You know who this is? No. Any guesses? No. Kanye West. Oh.
2: Let me ask you a question. And this is a little bit, I don't know if it's your cup of tea, and you're probably not going to remember.
1: That's Anilo Piro, by the way. Hello.
2: Do you know where you were on this day in 1978? No. Well, the Grateful Dead played their second ever Red Rocks show on this day in 1978. I am not a Deadhead. I figured you might not be, but I just I had to get that one out. At least you know who they are. Yeah, oh yeah. Big time. Big in. You're from that
1: Portland area up there? I grew up in Eugene. Yeah,
2: yeah so they were, they got a nice little following there. They did the Veneta, Oregon show '72.
1: I think uh Bill Walton was at every show of all time.
2: Yes, and I saw him actually at a recent show about 2 or 3 years ago. Yeah. But a little fun fact there, you know, 1978, well, you, second time they ever played at Red Rocks.
1: I'm sure it was sold out. I'm sure it was packed. I'm I'm sure it was a great show. Absolutely. Well, welcome to Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Fry. I'm journalist and author Terry Fry. That's uh, Anilo Pirro over there, who's familiar to MileHighSports.com readers, listeners, and viewers, as a versatile writer, and now as the site's digital director, ops manager, and concert information director. You can watch us on MileHighSports.com and reach us on the Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed, at T Fry, and at Media by AP. Now, Time now for What's Trending.
0: What's Trending is presented by Low-T99. Testosterone treatment made easy and affordable. For just $129 per month, they'll send you testosterone, supplies, and the price includes lab work. Go to LowT99.com.
1: And Elo, you spent much of the show lining up the, the watch party for the uh, Nuggets. Minnesota Timberwolves game tonight. <laughs> oh yes, oh yes. How many people are
2: expected? Hundreds. Hundreds of thousands. I mean, this is going to be a sellout event.
1: How much interest do you have in watching the game?
2: Zero. Not much, honestly. No, I have a decent amount of interest. Zero I want to see.
1: Point zero.
2: Good job from Becker.
1: You know that film was that was filmed in Eugene. Really? Animal House. Yeah. I did
2: not know that. One yeah, of my, I
1: have the, I have a
2: college crew neck, just like the one that uh, Mr. Uh, Mr. Buscemi wore in the movie. In the background, you can see Hayward
1: Field, the uh, historic track facility.
2: What what, what campus was, was that filmed on?
1: University of Oregon. Really? Yes. Was that a like that was like was that a real frat house they used? Yes, it was. Uh, they kicked the regular members of the frat. One of my buddies was a member of the frat. Really? They kicked them out and, and bummed it up, dirtied it up, trashed it up. Toga, toga, toga. Yeah, toga. It was a real. Real fraternity. It's one of the best on the movies University ever. University campus.
2: Adore that movie. Flounder.
1: Yeah, and uh, the Dexter Lake Club was real. You know, when, really, when they went out. And, mm-hmm. Wow. Can we dance with your date? Yeah, yeah that's that interesting. Animal House. So, yeah, I'm interested only to see two players: Peyton Watson and Christian Brown.
2: Yeah, that's that's
1: about it. And I really, I'm really curious about Peyton Watson because I went to several CU. I went to at least a couple CU UCLA games. I I realized Watson came out very young, but I don't even remember him. He didn't play much for the Bruins. No, I think he only. This, this yeah. is really a draft choice on the futures end of it.
2: Yes, on the upside.
1: But I don't know if he's going going to be. He's the number thirty pick overall, and I just I just am. Sur- I was surprised by the pick. Everybody I talked to who saw UCLA play pretty much was of the same mind. And that's not to say it's wrong. Again, we're kind of, that's kind of the, almost the hockey philosophy that you draft guys on potential rather than yep. what they have now. And I think that's becoming even more preeminent in college in, uh, in the NBA and in drafting college basketball players. And we'll also see how Christian Brown is.
2: Yeah, I think I'm excited for Brown because I think, you know, he can shoot the three at a pretty efficient rate and he can play defense. Not that you're going to see too much of that in the summer league against this level of competition, but I mean Chris Christian Brown's the one player on that summer league team that has a chance to make the roster and earn legitimate rotation minutes.
1: How about Watson? Not right away. Well, can you stash him in the D league? I or? think
2: that's what they're probably going to end up doing unless he really proves himself.
1: Well, how how much stock would you put in it if one of those guys just lit it up in the summer
2: league? I'd put, I mean if if Watson comes down starts lighting it up, I think you definitely kind of raise your eyebrows a little bit. I mean, he's a first he's a, you know one of their highly coveted draft choices in this uh, you know, past coming draft. And new GM Calvin Booth kind of came out and alluded how, you know, he was high on their list and, you know,
1: on their target board for quite some time as well. So I think if he comes out and presses, that only gives you more food for thought. You know, one reason I don't get too excited about the Las Vegas Summer League or anything that happens in it was the uh, the name N- Nicholas Skeetishvili. You know who that is? <laughs> oh, Skeeta.
2: Very familiar with that name. Yeah. That's, a, that's an unfortunate throwback.
1: Why is it a throwback
2: for you? I mean, I don't know. what What positive...
1: It's an interesting name to bring up, you know? You know, who he was the MVP of the Las Vegas Summer League. Yeah. The MVP. And what did that turn out to be? Well, he was a terrific player in the sense, if you went to Nuggets practice or you watched him on scouting tape, you'd say, this guy's just great. He was like the greatest practice player of all time, shooting three-pointers, yeah. uh, being a great player. It was the Dan Issel regime. But uh, he, he was just a terrific player in practice and you i it always, it was always mystifying he kind of froze up alex said that you probably heard about this legend too he would freeze up in games he just couldn't play worth a yeah, darn the games. yips yeah he'd get the yips he was he was a terrific practice player he was terrific in the las vegas summer league against lesser competition and i can honestly say you know how retroactively picks become great or awful Right, that's another one where you go. I I see why they drafted him. I see why they thought he yeah. was that good.
2: Did you see? Uh, this is going to grind your gears. You see, they're giving out rings to the team that wins the summer league now. No, I didn't know. Yeah, that. they're giving out rings.
1: Well, you know, you have to make your, uh, have to make your uh, spot in perpetuity somehow. I I guess the NBA man. Ugh. Alex, what do you remember about Skeeta?
4: Uh, I just remember the Jeff Bizdelic era. That was not a good era for Nuggets basketball. I remember he set back the European trend. It was like uh, we're just Nuggets are going to draft another soft European guy. That was almost when they drafted Nurkic and Jokic. It was like we're getting another Skidish Vili, but that's not the case with those guys.
1: Well, Nurkic wasn't soft, no. Right. He was kind of an idiot, but he wasn't soft. So, Alex, what do we have coming up on Argonaut Wine and Liquors just in case you missed it?
4: So last night was a big night for sports in a certain European country. We'll explain that as well as give you the latest update with a certain female basketball star. That's on the other side on Afternoon Drive with Piro and Fry on Mile High Sports. Games. And you know what I'm talking about. Just let me know if you're gonna go.
0: To that. Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Fry, presented by Silterhar Mazda. A no pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silterhar Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wild Card Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Terry. Welcome back to Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Fry. I'm journalist and author
1: Terry Fry, the usual driver of the show. Eric Goodman is out today and sitting in with me is Anilo Biro, who is familiar to MileHighSports.com readers, listeners, and viewers, as a versatile writer, and now as the site's digital director and ops manager. You can watch us on MileHighSports.com and reach us on the Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed. At T. Fry and at Media by AP. Does anybody ever mix that up with Associated Press?
2: No, but the, I actually tried to get every. I just tried to do like AP Sports, AP Media, AP Everything, and it's all taken by the Associated Press. So that's why I went with Media by
1: AP. Well, they could probably be bought off. You know, yeah, people yeah, buy people buy Twitter names all uh, the time.
2: I'm gonna have to pony it up. I would love just like AP Sports or something yeah. like that. AP Media.
1: Yeah, it, it'd be AP at the top of everything.
2: Yeah. It work, huh?
0: Time now for the final word. The final word. Are you ready? Presented by Greenfields Pool and Sports Bar in Lakewood. Greenfields has everything under one roof, including the best happy hour in town. Two-for-one wine, well, and drafts from three until seven p.m. The final word. Just in case you missed it is presented by Argonaut Wine and Wicker. You need to see why Westward named it the best wicker store in Denver. Five years running.
4: Or order online at argonautwicker.com. Just in case you missed it, last night was a big night for Slovakia as Juraj Slavkovsky and Simon Nemich were selected first and second overall in the NHL draft. That's the first time that players from the same European country went first and second overall since Russia's Alex Ovechkin and Evgeny Malkin went first and second in 2004. Um, you guys have any takeaways from the NHL draft yesterday evening? I know there was some late shifting. Shane Wright projected to go number one. He slips all the way to four. So anything stick out to you from last night? Ovechkin and Malkin turned that all right. Yeah, not bad. Not bad NHL careers, those two.
1: But I think the big surprise is right in in the sense that he, he was supposedly ticketed to go number one in Montreal, and that's a kid, a Canadian kid, who's probably dreamed of playing for the Canadians. Had it, he was the number one, he was the number one rated overall prospect. Although sometimes they separate them between European and and uh, North American skaters. Yeah. But he was he was expected to go number one to Montreal, and he made no secret of the fact he even stared down the Montreal people over not going at the first pick and ended up dropping down number four to Seattle. I mean, can you imagine Uh, Seattle's an exciting vibrant place to play right now. Northwest has a hockey tradition but can you imagine being prepared to go number one to the Montreal Canadiens and you end up going number four to the
0: Seattle track?
2: Yeah, I I mean, even the kid who ended up going number one overall was kind of confused. Who, me? They read it. (laughs) (laughs) They (laughs) heard Slovakia and said, what? Yeah, it's like, huh? Like, seriously, I mean, I don't know, man. Good for Seattle, I suppose.
1: Well, it's it's interesting. I, I really enjoy the NA, NHL draft in the sense that that uh, the differing paths to the, the uh, feeder system in the NHL uh, with uh, NGA hockey, with uh, major junior hockey, with three leagues under the Canadian Hockey League umbrella and players in Europe. And so you really have to divide it into those groups and, and do savvy scouting, evaluating, and even more so... Projecting. That's why the NHL draft, in my mind, is a very uh, exciting and fun thing to watch in the sense of putting yourselves in those places and making those evaluations. And you, now you look at the Avalanche, who had only two late picks, and uh, they'll be involved in the development camp next week. But look look at the approach the Avalanche took. With all their, those high draft choices, McCar, Byron, Rantanen, McKinnon, Landis and more, and uh, more, you look at it and say, then they stepped away from that approach for this draft after they uploaded and, and loaded up. Right, both actually uh, players that helped them win the Stanley Cup championship.
2: Yeah, no, it's uh, it's an interesting dynamic for sure. And I mean, the NHL draft doesn't get enough pizzazz as it should sometimes either. But I don't know.
1: Well, even look at Kale McCarr. I think he's a case in study that was really interesting to behold in that he was the number four pick in the draft. And uh, the Avalanche were disappointed to have to drop yeah. to number four in the, uh, in the water.
2: Yeah.
4: A detained WNBA star Brittany Griner has pled guilty to bringing hashish oil into Russia, telling a judge she had done so inadvertently while asking the court for mercy. Uh, the next court hearing is scheduled for July 14th. Griner does face up to 10 years in prison if convicted of large-scale transportation of drugs. Uh, where do you guys see this trial going? Well, I think it's unfortunate
1: that she's going to end up, she will end up being traded for the arms deal. Oh, notorious problem. arms deal. Yeah. And that, that's going to be very unfortunate, but I don't see it without getting into too deeply into the politics involved. On the human scale, that's what we have to
2: Yeah. No, I mean, it's just obviously with the way of the world right now and what's going on over there, it's, uh, you know, in a less than ideal place to be kind of pinned up in and you just hope that sooner rather than later she gets her way she finds her way back home that the administration can do all they gotta do to bring her home I and mean, she's an American citizen at the end of the day. You'd think, uh, you know, you gotta go to war for not war, that's the wrong word to use, but you gotta go to bat. That's yeah. the
4: word to use for your own. All right, Damian Lillard. Dame time has been extended for two years and a hundred and twenty two million. That is sixty one per year. Uh, is he worth all that bread? Nobody's worth that much. Sixteen million a year.
1: But in the context of you got to do that. That's just the way it is. They're talented. They're, they're uh, that. It's approach you got to take. you got to pay him. And uh, so, yeah, he's worth it in that sense. Of he's, he's one of the most dynamic players in the league. He's beloved in Portland, respected, and it's just something
4: you have to do. It's part of the booting bit. Yeah, I agree. All right, last one before we get out of here. The Raiders have hired Las Vegas attorney Sandra Douglas Morgan to be their new team president. As she becomes the first Black woman to hold that title for an NFL franchise, uh, how big of a step forward is this for not only the Raiders but the whole NFL?
1: Well, the, the process of, the process of bringing a more diverse, more diverse ownership, more diverse leadership, has to go on unimpeded, and this is just another small
4: step in that process. No, the, the Raiders are kind of known for this. They had Amy Trask, right, as the, right. As the GM, their first uh, first female to be in that role. So
2: yeah, the what's it? It's what's his name? Davis. It's not what's his son's name? I forget. Mark. Mark Davis. Yeah, he's he seems to be a
4: pretty strong trailblazer in that department. Yeah, just besides the haircut, but it seems like a yeah. good guy. Very good guy. That's for sure.
2: You know they what thing when uh, something Andrew Mason brought up to me, he doesn't have any kids. So who is the heir apparent to the Raiders organization? He's a little bit of an older cat too. That's just an interesting thought, considering how iconic his father was. He has no kids, Mark Davis.
1: Well, especially when you think about, like, now Paul, the Paul Allen Trust controls right. the Seahawks. Right. We saw what happened in this Broncos situation without a clear—I mean, he, Pat Bowen obviously had some errors, but without, without a clear line of succession. Yeah. And I think the NFL is going to attempt to step in and make sure that every team has a line of success. I agree. Here on out. Well, that was Argonaut Wine and Liquor, just in case you missed it. That's going to do it for us, Anilo. Anilo Piro. That's thank me. Thank you for sitting in. Absolutely, it's thanks. It really enjoyable experience. And uh, even though you've gone over to the dark side, we'll, we'll welcome you back to the writing ranks as soon as you're willing to hey, get man, back across. Hey,
2: man, I'm just trying to make a living in this business. It's a lot, uh, lot more difficult, I think, in this day and age than when you were coming up through the ranks.
1: And on the other side of the glass, thanks to Alex. Thanks, Nigel. It's been a terrific experience. You guys did a great job. And we'll talk to you on Monday. Of all for she is rolling like a thousand